But we talk about worry. And you know, everything in our life, we, we live by choices. We live by what we choose to do. And some people don't like the choice that they make, so they try to, they try to change. But regardless of whether or not you change, you always have to live in that choice that you made. I mean, I mean, we could sit here and, and talk about the things that people choose to do. Some people choose to, to wreck their life with drugs. And, and in doing so, well, they have to live with that choice. Some people choose to uh, live a different way. But everything that they do, they, it's a choice that they have made to do. And then when they decide that that's not a good life to live, that they would like to change up, well, they have to choose to change. And God said, I set before you today blessings and cursing, and you choose which one. He says, life or death. And he said, choose life. So, so it's our decision on what we choose. And then we cannot, you know, that, that does something that we don't like because we always like to blame somebody else for the choices that we make. I mean, for whatever happens in our life, we always want to blame somebody else for that happening to us. You know, I, I wouldn't uh, wreck my car if my wife hadn't have been talking to me. And, you know, and on and on like that. I, I would, this wouldn't have happened if, if she had done this, or if he had done this, then she wouldn't have done this, and all these kind of things. And people don't like to be reminded that, that this is what they have chosen to be and chosen to do. And, you know, it's just like, uh, you build a fire out there and you play with it, you play in it and disrespect it, well then it will burn you. But in other words, you can control it and respect it and it will give you warmth in the middle of a cold night. So, you know, it, it's how you choose to live your life in this. And I want, you to, I want to make you aware of some things concerning fear, and that is that fear has many faces. See? And so when we can either choose to either worry about what happens in our life or what's going on in our life, or we can choose to trust God. Now, a lot of people right now, because of the world system, are living in fear of, of losing their job, losing their income, losing their retirement, losing their investments, and if they haven't already lost them, but they're in fear of losing all that. They're in fear of, of what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, now, you can live that way, or you can live by trusting God for tomorrow. As an old song says, I don't know who holds tomorrow, but I do know who holds my hand. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. But I do know who brings tomorrow. So, so my place is that I must trust God. We build our trust in God by meditating on His Word day and night. Now how did you get fear? By meditating on fear. How did you become fearful? By meditating upon the words that you hear that makes you fearful. 
You listen to the news media. You listen to the, the political scene. You listen to the financial scene. And, and then begin to think about what they said and what they're doing. And then you, you begin to have fear in your life because we hear that so much. Our news uh, commentary come on. It's just crisis after crisis after crisis that, that they say are taking place in the world. Well, let me tell you something. There's no crisis in the kingdom of God. There's no crisis in the kingdom of God. And I believe with all of my heart, if God can take care of Elijah down by a brook somewhere, by a little old bird, that He can take care of me. That He can take care of you, and He can take care of whoever will trust Him. He says that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If I have sown my seed... And, and sown them correctly according to the Word of God, then I will reap the harvest that God says that I can have. And fear has no part in me. I don't have to be fearful for tomorrow because I know the God of tomorrow. And we're going to have to understand that. We build our trust by meditating on His Word day and night. Worry is, is a negative form of meditating and one of the faces of fear. Worry is a negative form of meditation and it's one of the faces of fear. Now remember <coughs> that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but He's given you power, love, and a sound mind. Now you remember that. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I got sound thinking. Come on, tell them. Look at the other neighbor. Tell them, I have sound thinking. See, they may not know <laughs> that you have it, but you have it. Amen. Because the Bible says you have it. See, God wants you to serve Him without fear. In Luke chapter 1, verse 74, He says, To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him, serve God, without fear. What? We have been delivered from the hand of our enemies. Who is our enemy? The devil. See, y'all didn't know, I had to tell you. The devil is your enemy. That's who it is. Not your boss at work. Amen. It's not the banker. It's not the lawyer. It's not the judge. It's the devil. And, but God says He wants us to serve Him without fear. Well, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. See, God wants you to serve Him that way. What happens is you paralyze the power of God in your life when you serve Him with fear, when you allow fear. Listen to me. There's no pleasure in serving God if you have fear of Him. Now, when the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, it simply means the reverence of God. You reverence God. That's the beginning of wisdom. What? You know how to serve God. You know how to, how to pray to God. You know how to receive from God. You know how to make God a father of your life. Amen. See, God, God wants to be not only a savior, but a father. And, and so you know how to do that. Uh, I mean, I, I never, uh, as, as tough as I thought my daddy was, and, and I saw him be tough a couple of times, I never was afraid of him. Yeah, I, I always felt comfortable with my dad. I always felt protected with my dad. I always felt taken care of 
when dad was around. Well, the same way with God, in a greater way, that, that I feel protected with God. I don't feel like that, that God is going to hurt me and harm me in any way, form or fashion. He only has love toward me. See, I, 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 we grew up uh, in, the, in, the, in the church of God there, and, 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 and they had all these rules, and, and the, old, the old type of preaching, what I call the old revelation of things, and I don't know how much revelation was there, <coughs> but fear was, was used a lot of times to make you serve God. If you don't serve God, something bad's going to happen to you. And, you know, and they, they, they'd make it sound like God was going to do it. Amen. That God was going to be the author of something bad happening to you if you didn't do certain things for God. If you didn't, don't follow our rules, then, then something bad's going to happen. If you don't do exactly like we say, uh, then something bad is going to happen. You better serve God because if you don't do everything just exactly the way God wants you to do it, then God's going to get you. Well, that's not true. That's not true. God doesn't operate on basis of fear. And God doesn't operate on, on that time. Yes, God says He chastens those whom He loves. But the word chasten means correct. He corrects those who he, who he loves. Do you correct your children? God corrects His children. You don't always have to spank one of them to correct them. Amen. One, one lady told me, uh, uh, they had this thing going on up here that, that God gave you a spanking every now and then. And I said, well, I, as far as I know, I don't think God's ever given me a spanking. I mean, I, I think I would have known it if I was getting one. Oh, yeah, God whipped me, she said. She was, God whipped me. I said, well, you must have done something real bad for, for God to have to whip you. Well, you know, uh, I, I know sometimes that when, when we fail God and we miss God and, and God just, he, he whips us to get us back in line. I said, ma'am, Lord Jesus, ma'am, listen to me. Why would he do that? If God came after me with a belt or a switch, I'd run. <laughs> I mean, you know, I couldn't outrun him, but, but, but uh, you know. <laughs> Daddy used to spank me and I'd run around in a circle. <laughs> Whop! One lick knock you halfway around that circle. Amen. But, but, but see, that's living in fear of God. So, so how many of you, don't raise your hand, have, have ever felt like you've sinned? Well, let me change that. How many of you ever sinned? All right. Did that sin make you fear God? It may have. It may have. But did you feel like you were unworthy to ask God to forgive you? Oh, I've sinned now. I've messed up. Boy, I've, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I've, I've done messed up. Ooh, I've sinned. And, and, you know, I might as well go on back out in the world and just forget it. But see, that's not, what, that's not the way we do. Our sin causes us to run to God. Run to God and ask God for forgiveness and God will begin to work within our life. See, fear is not natural because God did not give it to you. Amen. It's not a natural thing. And, and I can remember a few years back that all the preachers were preaching about this and one preacher said that fear is natural. 
Fear is not natural. Not for the Christian, because God didn't give it to us. Fear and unbelief are attached. Fear and unbelief are attached. Fear causes a person not to believe the Word of God. Fear will cause a person to to act in unbelief in their life about things that's going on in their life. Listen to me. One, One act of unbelief will cause you to go to another act of unbelief. And once you start acting in unbelief, your entire life will be in unbelief (coughs) because you were in fear that God would not answer your prayer. So you were going to have to do something else. How many times have you prayed and sought God and and the thought came to you, "What what, what if God don't answer my prayer? What if God don't? And then in the process of that, you begin to meditate and think about what you're going to do if God don't. And sure enough, before God answered your prayer, you started acting on that, what if God don't unbelief in your life, and it caused you to get into a hole that you couldn't get out of. Then one thing happened, then something else happened, then something else happened, then something else, then the whole life that you live was just full of unbelief, and, uh, and fear. Let me ask you a question. Do you doubt God's Word? Think about it. If so, what do you do? You spend more time studying the Word to receive wisdom from God. You're going to have to overcome doubt with the Word of God. You starve your doubt by refusing to feed it. How's that? By not talking about it. People love to talk about their doubts. They talk about things they don't believe more than they talk about things they do believe. You know, I, I, just, I, I just don't know if, uh, 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 what's going to happen. I, I'm so sick. I, don't, I can't go to work. And if uh, I don't hurry up and get back to work, well, then I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my house. I can't live here if I don't pay my rent. And, and I'm just, just one doubt after another, just talking, talking, talking their doubt. I don't know how I'm going to feed my children. I don't have any food. I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to drive my car. I don't have any gas. I don't know how I'm going to keep my electricity on because I don't have any money to pay the electric bill. And on and on and on. That's all we talk. That's all we meditate. And that's all we think about. And so when that happens, then our doubts become so big that we have no faith to cure it. And so, so then it brings in to the picture, fear. So we, we, the way to overcome that is by starving your doubt by refusing to feed it. Don't give it anything. Talk the Word of God. You say, but they turn my lights out. Talk the Word of God. But, but I'm sick. Talk the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. Stay with what the Bible says. Stay with believing the Word of God. Call somebody you know that you can trust with what you are going through and then begin to get them to agree with you on touching what God will do and begin to pray and earnestly say, hey, would you come over to my house and have a prayer meeting with me? Would you come to my house and bring your Bible and teach me the Word of God so that I can overcome this thing that I am fighting in my life? People don't do that. Amen. When's the last time you invited somebody to your house and said, bring your Bible? 
And teach me how to overcome this. Teach me what you know. Open up the book and show me what you have learned and what God has taught you so that I can overcome that. Kenneth Copeland said he began to got into an, uh, an area of, of the anointing that, that was greater than, than he had some things he had never seen before. Said old Roberts called him and said, bring your Bible and come to my house. He got to his house and he said, Old Robert said, sit down right here. And they sat down in the middle of the floor. He said, now you teach me about this anointing and what this word you've got, this, this, uh, this revelation you've got. He said, boy, what a humbling experience that was to have Old Roberts tell him, teach me what you have learned. How's the last time you've asked somebody to come? Come on over to the house. Look, look, man, I got a problem. This thing, I'm fighting this thing, and I need somebody. The Bible says the two of us agree on touching anything on this earth that God will answer that for me. Well, I need somebody to agree with me. Bring your Bible, and let's see if we can agree on the Word of God. Where's the Word you stand on? Here's the Word I've been standing on. Tell me what that means to you. This is what it means to me. Now can we agree that this thing is over with? Can we agree that I'm healed? Can we agree? See, it has to be somebody you can trust with your problem. You can't trust everybody with your problem. Amen. You tell some people your problem, and you sure enough have a problem. They can't wait to get out the door. It's like three preachers that, that, that went fishing. Amen. They all went fishing. One, one of them was, I don't know, we'll, we'll call them a Presbyterian or something. And uh, he said, fellas, he said, while we're out here, he said, this is a good opportunity for us to just talk and get to know one another real well. And he said, uh, said, said you know, the Bible says confession is good for the soul. And, and I, just, I would just like to confess something to you guys. And I just, you know, maybe y'all can help me with it. He said, I got this serious problem about gambling. He said, I love to gamble. And he said, I don't want to do it, but I just gamble. And he said, I don't know what to do with it about it. He said, uh, uh, that's just my hang-up. And the other one said, well, you know, I'm glad you said that because I got my, gam- my problem is drinking. He said, I like a little, little wine for the stomach's sake, you know. And he said, so I know I'm touching some of y'all's heart right now. But anyway, this is what the preacher said. And he said, he said uh, I, just, I just don't want nobody to know about it. He said, I, I just pray that you guys will help me. What do you think? And the other guy sat there and he said, well, what about you? He said, uh, he was a charismatic, tongue-talking man. He said, uh, he said oh, no, no, no. He said, I, I better not get involved in this. They said, come on, man. He said, we're all here together. Just go ahead and tell us. He said, well, my hang-up is gossip, and I can't wait to get back. <laughs> so he had to... <laughs> All right. You have to be careful who you trust with your problem. You hear me? Just because they come to church every Sunday, because they talk in tongues, because they dress a certain way, because they look a certain way, because they have a position in church, doesn't mean that you can trust them with your problem. Amen. So you need to get somebody to overcome that problem that you can trust. What do you do? You speak faith-filled words when doubt enters your mind. Overcome doubt with faith. Amen. When doubt begins to come in, you begin to speak faith-filled words. You don't have to quote the King James Version 
of the Bible, but just talk in agreement with the Word. No, sir, devil, I'm, I'm not afraid. I fear is not coming into my life. I can't help what the doctor report was, what the banker's report was, what the economy report is. I'm, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. The Word of God says, by His stripes I'm healed. Praise God, and my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory, and I'm going to stand on it. I'm not going to back up, and I'm going to live here. If I have to say it a thousand times today, I'm going to say it a thousand times. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to attack that fear with my faith. Amen. Bible says that the perfect love of God casteth out all fear. Amen. The love of God. What's the perfect love? Unconditional love casteth out all fear. That's the perfect love of God. Unconditional love. Amen. When we overcome problems and perplexities. How many of you have somebody right now that you really have to unconditionally love? <laughs> Amen. Good call, call off. Okay. Good call off a few. You have to really unconditionally love them. Amen. That's the way you have to do your children most of the time. Most of the time. Unconditionally love them because they, they do some things that's not very lovable. Amen. Now, all of y'all are children. Somebody's children. Amen. And y'all have some children, don't we? And you have to unconditionally love them. Amen. I've had mine annoy me so, so strongly <laughs> that I wanted to use something other than a belt. And after they've gotten older, I really wanted to use it. I told my wife, I said, you know what we need to do? Of course, we talk. I said, we need to show up at one of them places they go and go in and sit down at a table and start praying in tongues. Until they got enough conviction to get out of there. And then follow them. Amen. What are y'all doing? We praying God save my children. That ain't a bad idea. Amen. May cost you something to get in, but you don't have to drink none of that stuff. Amen. You can sit down and pray in tongues till the Holy Ghost comes down. Old man by the name of Cartwright. I can't not Ben or Joe or Hoss, none of them. I think his name, I was trying to remember his name, I think it was Bill, I'm not sure. But this was back in the old days. He was a, he was a, uh, one of these itinerary pastors. You know, it goes around this town, and then he'd go that town, and then he'd go this town, pastoring. And, and one, he went into a place, rode his horse, and went into a place, and, and uh, he said it was, a, it was a saloon or a place of ill repute or something there. And, and uh God told him to go in there. And he said, God, I don't want to go in there. These people, I've got, to, I've got to preach to these people. And they see me going in here. They're not going to want me to preach for them. God said, I want you to go in there. And he said he went in there and he stood there and looked. And, and uh, God said, he said, what do I do? He said, go, go halfway up them stairs. He said, Lord, that's the stairway to the, to the business, you know. And uh, so he, he went a pathway. He said, now get on your knees and start praying. And said he got on his knees and began to pray. 
And he said the Holy Ghost fell in that place, and he said revival took place right there in that saloon where he began to pray. Now then, listen to him. Listen to him. Don't go unless God tells you to. <laughs> Some of y'all saying, oh boy, I get to go. I get to go. I've been wanting to go over there. I've been wanting to go see that one. No, don't go unless God tells you to. Amen, because somebody see you. And what you need to do is become tenacious about fear. And pull fear out by its roots of your life. Get fear out. Get everything, any decision that you make, that you feel like, you, if you'll stop and think a minute, now why am I making this decision? Is it out of fear or is it out of the Word of God? If it's because of fear, you need to root that out and, and overcome it. What do we do? We meditating on God's Word day and night brings success in our eye. Look over in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. You know this scripture, should know it by heart by now. Verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to that is written in it. For, when you, when you, then, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He said meditate on that word day and night, and you will bring good success into your life. To meditate on the Word means to ponder, means to consider and roll it over and over in your mind, means to think about it. Meditate on the Word until you hear the voice behind the Word and receive enlightenment from it. In other words, other words you're going to have to read this book and meditate upon it, think upon it, until you hear the voice of God. See, worry is negative meditation or, or rolling negative words over and over and over in your mind. It's when you just continually think about it and think about the bad and think about the bad. You don't think about the good. You think about the bad. And you just roll it over and over in your mind. Negative meditation brings destruction in your life. Amen. If I was to go to the doctor today and tell him my stomach was hurting and, and I thought I might have an ulcer in my stomach, and the first thing he's going to ask me is, what have I been worrying about? Worrying is negative thinking. Well then, well then why if I can think myself sick, why can't I think myself well? Amen. Amen. Think about it. Think about that a little bit. See, worry is negative meditation. Negative meditation brings destruction. Worry also produces physical ailments and mental diseases in your life. We do not allow your adversary to intimidate you. Look over in Philippians chapter 1. Verse 28. <coughs> and not in any way <clears throat> terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. He said, don't be intimidated by the devil. And don't be intimidated by fear. See, your refusal to fear serves as proof to Satan that his destruction is here. That he's about to be destroyed. That he's about to lose in the fight. See, your fearlessness is a token of your deliverance. God will deliver you. He goes 
to work on your behalf when you refuse to fear. Amen. When you refuse to fear, He goes to work on your behalf. I'm not afraid of this thing. I'm going to face it and I'm going to overcome it. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm going to face it and I'm going to overcome it. I'm not afraid of diabetes. I'm going to face it and I'm going to overcome it. I'm not afraid of this poverty thing. I'm going to face it and I'm going to overcome it. How? With the Word of God. With the Word of God, you can overcome these things if you'll face it and God will go to work on your behalf when you refuse to fear. When you refuse to allow fear to rule your life, God will work for you. See, Jesus said, stop worrying about your life. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. Let's go over there. We might as well go read it again. We've read it quite a few times. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and this world system. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. But boy, that's the very things we worry about. Amen. That's the very thing that people worry about because they're always worrying about what they're going to have, what kind of food they're going to eat. And you can tell all of us have eaten plenty of something. And what we're going to drink. He said, don't worry about the clothes you wear. Don't worry about these things. He didn't say you shouldn't have them. He said, don't worry about them. All right. Look at the birds of the air, for they, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more importance than them? Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? How many of you can, can get taller just by worrying? Amen. You can get taller. All right, I'm not happy about five foot ten, so I want to be five foot eleven. I'm going to stay awake tonight and worry about how God's going to do that. You know, I may stretch my legs or something. It ain't going to work. So why do you worry about clothing? He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory has not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Well, if God knows you need them, and he said he supplies our needs before we even ask. Then he said, but seek first the kingdom of God. Get these things off your mind. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What is it about that we don't understand? What is it about all we don't understand? All these things. What? Food. Clothes. Whatever drink, whatever we need will be given to us. 
Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's enough trouble tomorrow, you don't have to try to bring it into today. So, so what is it about this scripture that I've read to you that we don't believe? What is it we don't believe there? See, he reminds us of God's provision. We must stand upon that word. If God can take care of the birds, if he can take, then he can also take care of you. If, if God clothes the lilies, then he can clothe you. See, do not accept thoughts of doubt. Do not speak doubt-filled words. Let them go. God can take care of those things. I remember one time, I've probably told you this before, but uh, I was pastoring my first church, and uh, <clears throat> being the humble man that I was, I was working on a job, and uh, the job, the place I was working for closed down, and uh, the church that I was pastoring is one that I started, and we were just in a home mission type uh, program, and we had, we probably had 50 or 60 people, but those 50 or 60 people had had two people inside those 50 or 60 that believed that the preacher shouldn't have any money. Well, uh, they uh, took up a vote and decided that uh, I was a hireling because I needed some money to live off of because I wasn't making any money. Well, and the week they paid me, it was $12. I know they felt like they overpaid me, but, you know, I took it anyway. But uh, Diane and I uh, would just trust God. I made up my mind. I wouldn't ask them for anything. I could have took it all if I'd warned it because I was the board. I was everything because the whole mission worked. Uh, you know, nobody's over you but the state office. The local people are not over you. But anyway, let that go. Uh, Diane and I would just say we trust God. And we trusted God to start. We knew we was where God wanted us to be. We knew He's doing what God told us to do. And so one morning we was, uh, we were, uh, got up and June around there, and and she said, uh, well, she said, there's no food here today. There's no food in the cabinets. We don't have anything to eat. What do you want to do? I said, well, I'll go back to the bedroom and I'll pray. And because I had no money. Couldn't go to the store and buy anything. Couldn't write one of them kind of checks, y'all, right? And uh, <clears throat> so I went, went into the bedroom again to pray and seek God. And while I was praying back there, there was a knock on the door. And, and there was a, Diane opened the door, and there was a lady standing there we hadn't saw in probably two years. And she was standing there. She had two big old bags of grocers in her hand. And Diane, she said, I was at... Uh, at the grocery store, and God told me to buy y'all some grocers. And uh, she said, I brought, I just wanted to bring them to you. It was good stuff. Wasn't no non-generic stuff. Wasn't any of that in there. It was all real good stuff. And uh, she brought it in, and we had food. And uh, not saying anything about non-generic stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I ain't, I'm not, I'm just saying this was... <laughs> When you can buy, go buy what you want. When you pray and get the best. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
And, uh, and, and so we, that, but we, we never, I went probably close to six months without a, without a job. And uh, we never missed a payment on anything. We actually had money, more money, that through those six months because I'd come home and there'd be money in my pocket. Pay the light bill with. Money in my pocket. Pay the insurance with. There'd be money somewhere. And money always came in because I stayed in that bedroom seeking first the kingdom of God and, re- and, and renewing myself every day with God that I knew that I was where God wanted me to be. That this that I was going through, this no job thing I was going through was, was not of my own making. I didn't quit work. I looked for jobs. I put in applications. I looked everywhere for a job. And uh, then later on things opened up. But, but I, we live very good there because of, of seeking first the kingdom of God. He said, don't worry about these things. I'll take care of it. So we don't accept the the thoughts of doubt. And if you begin to speak doubtful words, it, it's like signing for a package. It's like when the when the UPS man comes to your house and he says, I got this package here for you. I need you to sign this and I'll give it to you. Well, when you start speaking signs, uh, words of doubt, you sign him for something. Amen. Yeah, you're saying, I, I want this. I want this package. I want to bring it on in. And, and then, in other words, you begin to accept the doubt. Worrying does not add anything positive to any situation at all. Overcome, you overcome negative meditation by saturating your mind with God's Word. God knows what you need, and He'll supply that need. What do you do? You seek Him first. He cannot get involved in your life when you meditate on words that contradict His Word. When you meditate on words that contradict His words, you, He cannot get involved in that. So what is it? We be grateful for what we have today. And don't worry or get stressed out about tomorrow. We be grateful for what we have today. And all of you look so nice today. And I'm sure there's people here with problems and, and situations that, that are pressing them. But I'm telling you, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, that takes away the fear. That takes away the doubt. That takes away the unbelief. You say, well, the more I pray, the more trouble I get. Hmm? The more I try to seek God, the harder it gets. Well, you might, not be, you might not be seeking God. You might just be seeking things. You might just be seeking an answer uh, to your problem. Seek Him. Have a fellowship with Him. Have a worship time with Him. Have a time where you sit down and let Him talk to you. Amen. Amen. I'd rather do that than talk to Him. I'd rather Him talk to me. I like it when He talks. Amen. He's he's a good God. And there's no reason to fear. And there's no reason to doubt. I want you to, to put Him first. And I want you to believe. You don't have to fear. You don't have to let the enemy take away your stuff. Trust God. And then don't go out there and do something you shouldn't be doing. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you today for your love and your mercy, your grace, your anointing that you bestowed upon our lives. <coughs> thank you, Jesus. Father God, I come against that spirit of fear. Lord, that no one here has, has a fear of serving you. And no one here has a fear of you. And no one here, God, will, will allow fear to overcome their lives. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. Would you stand with us?